What's up, Duke fans, and welcome to another episode of Duke Blue Central. Uh, happy to be back after a uh, quick break. Been been gone on some trips recently, uh, so didn't have uh, didn't have time or the place to record some new episodes over the past few games. But happy to be back with you. Apologies for the break, as always. Uh, also, apologies for the uh, the slightly less stellar audio quality in this episode. Actually, don't have access right now to the uh, the microphone I usually use to record these eps. Um, but nevertheless, I uh, thought it was important enough to, to hop on here with, uh, with with slightly less good audio. But don't worry, uh, the, the old setup uh, will be returning very, very soon, uh, so look forward to that. But uh, we are going to go over really the last two Duke games, uh, the win versus Clemson and then the win at Virginia Tech. Very briefly, I'll talk about uh, kind of the two games that I missed as I was away First one, uh, after Georgia Tech being a really, really tough loss to the uh, the Pitt Panthers at home. Very tough loss to uh, Jeff Capel's squad. Uh, it, but I'm going to be honest here, folks. I, I kind of just want to gloss over this loss because Duke was missing two starters in this game. We find out right before the game that both Jeremy Roach and Mark Mitchell are not going to be available. And Pitt was, uh, just perfectly executed how to beat us without those two st- uh, two stars two starters that uh, I think put together average about maybe close to 30 a game, just them two together at this point in the season. So obviously that's a massive deal to be missing those two guys. Not not trying to make too many excuses. This was a game Duke still could have very, very surely won. Um, but just to be frank with you, I, I'm, I'm not as concerned about uh, dropping a game, even at home, uh, to a team when you're missing two starters. Everything... Uh, in this season for Duke is in preparation for March. And if you told me in March, uh, yeah, we, we lost because two of our starters got injured. Uh, we lose in the second, third round because two of our starters are injured. Uh, I'm going to be like, yeah, I mean, of, of course we lose because people are injured. You can't help injuries. Uh, so I, I was actually, you know, as much as it sucks to lose for seeding, I think that's the biggest takeaway from that game is just that, uh, uh, Duke's seeding capability is not going to be quite as good with a loss like that at home. But we know that the committee can also look at things like who was out in the games that you lost. I hope they do that for Duke, especially considering uh, two games before we had crushed them by 20 at their place. Uh, that is a game Duke does not lose if we have uh, if we have Jeremy Roach and Mark Mitchell. I'll tell you that right now. But we're going to move on from that. It, it, honestly, look, I mean – Henson went exploded uh, for Pitt. I think made six or seven threes. Pitt shot, I think, over fifty percent from three for the game, which they never really do. A combination of all bad things happening that resulted in a Duke January loss uh, that we shouldn't have had. But we have these kind of losses every year, and especially with this one not even being at near full strength, it's just not something I'm overly concerned about. Uh, right after that, went to Louisville and won. I, I honestly don't have much to say about that game. It was closer than it needed to be, but I think uh, you know Jeremy Roach played. Obviously, wasn't healthy again. Uh, the biggest thing was to just get out of a road atmosphere with a win, and Duke was able to do that. But I'm going to move on to really the the more important games, and uh, uh, we, I kind of looking at the schedule. This three-game stretch, I would argue, is the hardest stretch for Duke, certainly in conference play. Maybe not when you factor in the non-conference of uh, you know, starting off with Arizona, then going straight to Michigan State. Uh, but but this, this, this three-game stretch of versus Clemson at Virginia Tech at North Carolina is what I would call uh, uh, the toughest 
toughest schedule, a uh, toughest three game stretch for Duke on the year. Um, and we've started off with two wins. Well, one win was by one, uh, really close finish, and, and we can start breaking down uh, my thoughts of the the, the Duke versus Clemson, Duke victory at Cameron. This was obviously a really big win for Duke, and, and it was a, Clemson is a good team. I mean, look, I, I know they've dropped some games here and there, but they had a decent, they had a good uh, non-conference performance against some teams that I think everybody thought were uh, looked better than they look now. I know Alabama is, is certainly not looking great. Had they picked up a win against Memphis, uh, that would have really bolstered their uh, their non-conference schedule. But I do think Clemson is a tournament team. I think they're a uh, you know a second round tournament team. Uh, so anytime you're facing off against a conference opponent like that, it's going to be big, especially against a team that beat us last year, uh, who, who you know matches matches up well against Duke. Especially considering when you look at Flip's stat line for the game, which what we're talking about, a game in which Filipowski did not play well at all, uh, and Duke is still able to win. Uh, it, Look, I mean, this game has been mired in quote-unquote controversy. I don't think it's very controversial at all, uh, in case you missed it. Uh, it was a close game. I believe Duke was up one. Uh, P.J. Hall gets fouled, I believe, on the other end, makes two free throws to put Clemson up one. Duke dribbles the ball down the court. Tyrese Proctor uh, drives in, takes a mid-range jump shot, also gets fouled, uh, makes two free throws to put Duke up. Ice in his veins uh, with one seconds left. Uh, Clemson inbounds the ball. Nothing happens. You know, they are not aren't able to get a shot off, obviously. Full court heave, one second. Pretty low chance. Uh, and, yeah, Duke walks out with the victory. Uh, boy, were some of the Clemson players and coaches really fired up about this loss. But, I mean, look, it, bottom line is this. I, I do think those fouls at the end of the game were fouls. Clemson has no reason uh, to complain about losing this game. They turned the ball over like three possessions in a row at the end of the game. Uh, they lost this game. They should have really lost this game for more than that. Uh, one of those turnovers led to two wide-open threes from Jared McCain and Tyrese Proctor, who on wide-open shots, I can't, I can't tell you what the number is, but it feels like on wide-open threes, Jared McCain is shooting more than 50%, perhaps even 60%, and Proctor has to be shooting around 50% as well. And we got two of those shots on the same possessions. Those would have essentially... Well, they wouldn't have won the game for Duke, but it would have put, put Duke up uh, a certain amount. I think it would have put us up by two, uh, which, you know, the way the game was going and the way Clemson's next few offensive possessions played out probably would have won the game for Duke. Duke misses those shots, but Clemson still ends up coughing the ball up, uh, leading to some Duke points, and then at the end, the uh, the fouls took place. And to be honest, the, after last year's foul situation with Duke, I don't think I can I, anyone can complain about fouls not being called. Uh, Duke lost a share of an ACC championship regular season championship last year because of a horrible call at Virginia, in which the ACC actually came out, apologized for the call, said that it should have happened and said that Duke should have been able to go to the line uh, to win the game. If you can't remember that game, Duke against Virginia last year, Kyle Filipowski uh, got fouled right as time expired, uh, as the buzzer rang, and for some reason the refs waved it off, which is 
not just straight up against the rules. Uh, if, if if you're fouled, even after time expires, you you're supposed to get those shots uh, no matter what. And they just they just got it wrong. I mean, it was it, it's incredible that uh, they were just able to get that so wrong with all the resources we have today. We went to over Duke went to overtime against Virginia and lost. Um, but the ACC came out and apologized for that, said that it shouldn't have happened. And <laughs> this call against Clemson is nowhere near as controversial as that. Uh, so I don't want to hear it, really. And I do think uh, it was very emotional. Clemson was very emotional after the loss, both their coach and their players. Joe Girard <laughs> tried to assault a referee. I mean, <laughs> just crazy scenes at the end of the game at, at Cameron. Uh, and then Brad Brunell got up at the post-game conference and said the game was stolen from him and said Duke is a hard place to play because we get all the calls. I mean, it sounded like it sounded like an anti-Duke fan was at uh, the press conference podium and not a head coach of a Division One ACC basketball program. Uh, perhaps Brad should uh, – <laughs> learn to uh learn to speak at the podium a little better no disrespect to the man uh but but blaming refs like that after a loss is just a loser's mentality and that's perhaps a a, a reason why Clemson basketball hasn't been as successful in the past few years uh <laughs> or really I mean ever too successful but uh but that coaching style leads to nothing but more disappointment and more heartbreak uh players see that and it's in, players see that from their head coach, and it's easy for them to accept a losing mentality of blaming the referees for all your problems. Obviously, Duke is not innocent of this. Um, there are times Kyle Filipowski has 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 been a loser mentality when uh, you know talking about calls and things like that. Even though I think he does get fouled a lot and it doesn't get called because of his size, uh, he's got to learn to accept that and overcome that. So I'm not not being a hypocrite here. I'll call out Duke if they do it too. But that's just something. Like, can you imagine Coach K at the end of the game coming up and said, this game was stolen from us? Like, input, imagine he says that. Like, that's just something an elite-level head coach would, would not say. Uh, and that's something I think – if I was a Clemson fan or if I was a, a athletic position at Clemson, I, I would be – I would be upset by Brad's comments at the podium, and maybe that's me talking through Duke blue colored glasses. But this is a Duke podcast. This is what this is what you're here for. <laughs> but it was a a big game, nevertheless, by Duke. Um, you know, if you told me the stats of this game and how some players performed, I would have been really worried about the outcome for Duke, especially considering uh, Kyle Filipowski's performance. His his box score was not great. Only finished with nine points, four rebounds, one assist, one steal. Finished with four blocks, uh, three turnovers, and he also fouled out of the game. And, and that's something we're going to talk about throughout this episode is Filipowski's continued inability to stay out of foul trouble. And, and what's interesting is when we get to the Virginia Tech game, it's not even necessarily just been early. A lot of the times when he's gotten foul trouble uh, throughout this season, it's been he picks up two early in the first half and then kind of locks in for the second half. Against Virginia Tech, the next game we're going to talk about, it was the opposite. Had a pretty clean first half, and then the second half came out and got, I think, three quick fouls. Um, but but Flip just has to stay on the court. I mean, against some of these conference opponents, we can win without them, you know. Uh, but when we start talking about Sweet 16, Elite 8s, Final 4s, if that's Duke's real goal for the season, which I think it is, and I think that's that's everyone's anticipation is that they were – 
you know, going for a national title. Uh, we need him in those games. We need him playing 35 minutes in those games. And you can't play 35 minutes if you pick up two fouls immediately. And, and if you don't think the good teams in the country are, are, are going to look at games like this and say, oh, beating Duke is easy. We just have to foul flip and then deal with everybody else or get flip in foul trouble, then play the rest of the guys. Makes Duke a significantly more beatable team. Clemson wasn't able to capitalize on that because of a few reasons few reasons some poor three-point shooting uh now duke defends the three pretty dang well uh but yeah shot 30 percent from three duke was shooting 42 percent uh on the night they also shot 23 threes and only made seven duke only shot 21 but was able to make nine of them that's a big swing uh, but but Clemson wasn't able to capitalize on that. But other teams will, and and Clemson may have on another night. You know, uh, that last play with Proctor, if he if he doesn't get fouled and misses the shot, we're talking about a loss here, uh, which is a very very different result. Um, luckily, Duke was able to to kind of uh, escape with a win, and I think they deserved to win, uh, and they. They played well enough to win, and, and in the final seconds when we needed to make clutch plays, the Clemson players did not make clutch, clutch plays, and Duke did. And I'm not even just talking about the calls. Uh, it, turning the ball over that many times late in the game <laughs> ruins your chances of winning sometimes when on the other side guys are hitting shots and hitting free throws, and that's what we did. We were able to take advantage of that. But against other uh, higher-quality teams, you know, as we go deep into the tournament, hopefully – as we are going deep into the tournament, uh, teams are going to capitalize on flip getting into foul trouble. It's just, it's something we've said in the past few episodes, but it's just something he needs to do. And I understand it's tough because we're playing him at the five, you know, he's our starting center here. Uh, so he's got to D up people and, you know, try to block layups. And that oftentimes can lead to fouls. Uh, but, but something in his mentality has, uh, has got to change or, or maybe it's just a coaching thing of, you know, maybe he's sticking out his elbow too much when he drives for offensive fouls. Uh, maybe he's doing something on the defensive end, like not going straight up or swiping his hands down too early uh, that the coaches can look at. But, but he's just got to, he's just got to play smarter. He has to know he's, how important he is to this team and how good he is and how limiting it is with him off the floor for Duke in multiple ways, defensively rebounding, even though Ryan Young had a great game at Virginia Tech which we'll talk about um he's just too important to this team to be on the court to be on the bench uh but without flip it was proctor and mccain led the way and i and i just wrote both of these guys are really hitting their stride at the right point at this time in the season where every game seems to matter a bit more uh particular Tyrese Proctor has really just stepped it up. I think he's fully back from his injury. It feels like he was playing injured even while he was back. He's back now against Clemson. He made four for six three-pointers. A couple of them really nice. One of them was a crazy step back. Uh, finished with 18 points, five rebounds, two assists, two steals, and only three turnovers, which you'd like to see that number not be as high, but you'll take it when a guy's producing like that. And, and even just even over the past several games, you can see Proctor's game stepping up. It's it's eerily similar to last year uh, when Proctor just turned it on at the end of the year. It was even a little later last year, I think, but 
uh, post January, but but we're starting to see Proctor now really really hit that stride and uh, take his game to the next level, which is something Duke is going to need if we want to make a, a national title run. Uh, so it's been great to see that. But he played awesome against Clemson, and obviously the thing we need to talk about with him is just the 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 clutchness of being able to knock down two free throws when you're down is big. You know, it, when you're tied and you're shooting free throws for the win, even if it's a if it's a one and one, the, the pressure is not nearly there. Like if if it if the score is seventy one seventy one, and he gets fouled and we're in the single bonus, that's a high pressure free throw. Yeah, but it's not as high pressure as you're going to the line for two and we're down one. Uh, that's just way way more stakes, way higher stakes in that situation. And he was able to hit two to ice it away for Duke. A great game from Tyrese Proctor. Um, uh, Jared McCain also had an awesome game, finished with 21 points. We don't win this game without him. Still, it was on three for seven uh, shooting threes He in eight for 12 a field goal. He just does so many other things other than shoot threes. Uh, I, I, he finished with five rebounds, three steals in this game, two assists, and no turnovers. What a monster game from him. Uh, people, what jumps out? At, uh, what jumps out for him is his three-point shooting. Obviously, he's a 40% three-point shooter. And he's really even higher than that, but uh, his percentage kind of tanked. I think he went one for six against Virginia Tech, and that, that tanked it a little bit. But um, he, he's really even a better shooter than 40% from three. Uh, he just takes so many. Obviously, he's going to miss a few more than guys who aren't shooting as much. Um, but even when he is not finding his shot, finding his threes. He still finds so many other ways to contribute. Uh, it's just it's incredible watching him play, the ways he just runs around. His off-ball movement's just so incredible. His defense is better than I thought. Uh, obviously, look, I mean, you get him matched up on the inside against a big man, against a big wing. He's not going to fare that well. Uh, but against opposing guards, I have no problem with Jared McCain being out there. He's strong for how young he is, uh, so he can really D up on smaller guards, which is primarily who he's guarding. But uh, Jared McCain just makes so many winning games uh, for Duke. And this was a game he played 32 minutes in. Uh, Duke is beginning to see that, you know, the legendary beginning of the new year lineup minutes shrinkage where we're going to start seeing guys play more and more minutes. And against Clemson in particular, we saw it because Flip was only able to play 24 minutes because of foul trouble. But Mark Mitchell played 37 minutes. Tyrese Proctor, uh, 38. Foster played 20 minutes. And then Jared McCain played 32 minutes. Jared McCain, McCain played more minutes in this game than Jeremy Roach did coming off the bench. Uh, now, now, Jeremy was obviously not healthy in this game. I, I mean, he was healthy enough to go out there, and, and it was a big enough game and a close enough game that we needed him out there. But he actually he, he didn't have a great performance. He finished one for eight, uh, three for four from the line, you know, two rebounds, uh, or two rebounds, one assist, one foul, only five points for him. Uh, I think this game was was one where he was obviously still testing out that ankle. Didn't have the speed he normally has. He's he's Roach is a as a is a quick acceleration type guy, guy that can get to the basket in just a couple steps if you give him any room to breathe. And, and that part of his game just was not there to the full extent against Clemson. Uh, and even even if you're you know, just a second slower than you usually are. Um, it's a big deal when we're talking about uh, how close some of these 
these uh, races to the basket can be. And, and it was a game where he wasn't as healthy. But still, uh, we're, we're seeing kind of the, the, the roster shrink down before our very eyes. And I'll talk about it again against Virginia Tech. Uh, similar thing. We're playing eight guys, and, and that's about it. And we played eight eight guys against Clemson, eight guys against Virginia Tech. I, I believe we're we're seeing what this team is going to look like come March. There are a lot of you know if ands buts. Like Jalen Blake's has been a guy that's been getting left out of the rotation a lot. Um, I think there are situations where he'll come in, but uh, with how many guards we have, and we're, we're we're seeing the real minutes distribution of this team more than we ever have before. Uh, and that's something that was on full display against Clemson, especially with all the foul trouble Flip was in. Uh, only mo- only other negative talk about in the Clemson game was our Duke's recent struggles at the free throw line. I- I'm hoping this is just kind of a fluky thing. Duke is a really good free throw du- shooting team. Against Clemson, we only shot 63%, 21 for 33, compared to Clemson's 81%, 18 for 22. Obviously, that's a big factor in the game. They took uh, considerably less free throws than us in part because they were taking most of their shots from the outside for whatever reason, even with flip out, didn't decide to go inside. Um, but but that's a big deal, not being able to hit free throws. And then we, we, we followed it up with another, just to spoil, followed it up with another 60% free throw shooting uh, percentage against Virginia Tech. Not as big of a deal because we only shot 10 free throws. So, um and a lot of those were by big men. But but that's something just to keep your eye on. I, I'm hoping that's just a couple-game slide for them, uh, just not being able to hit free throws. Uh, but but it really affected the Clemson game. I mean, we left we left a lot of points. We left 12 points on the line. Uh, you know, if we if we even hit just a couple of those, this game isn't as close in the end as, as, as it ended up being. Uh, but that's kind of all my thoughts against Clemson. Look, Clemson, once again, good team, tournament team. They should make the tournament tournament this year as long as they don't just collapse at the end of the year um but but this is a this is a good looking win for duke and it's more so that it it wouldn't be a great looking loss for duke uh that's important so uh so good win like i always say better to come away with an ugly win than a pretty loss and uh clemson had a pretty loss and this one duke had an ugly win i like the side of the aisle that i'm on Uh, moving on to virginia tech uh virginia tech look i mean at the beginning of the year if i would have bet money on one like one game where duke really shouldn't lose and we do lose i would have absolutely said it was this one because especially if you told me duke beats Clemson in the way that they do. This this game has just trap game written all over it. Uh, it's a game right against Clemson, who's a top tier, I think the third place in the, or maybe not, but against a top tier ACC opponent, in my opinion, in Clemson. Uh, and then it's right before what everybody knows is coming up, the Carolina game this Saturday. Now that's a few days, days away, uh, but, but you're always going to look forward to that game as a Duke or a Carolina fan. Uh, and, and when that's on the horizon a lot of other things fade away and you throw in the factor that duke has lost five of its last six games at virginia tech virginia tech is a really hard place to play i've been there in person uh, two times now and it it is it is insanely loud they do the understand men uh, or at least they did when I was there. They do the Inter Sandman for basketball as well, and and there were times where they were just singing that at the beginning of the game, where I was just thinking, how does anybody even play a basketball game in here? It was so loud. Uh, I think it rivals Cameron as maybe the, the one of 
the toughest places to play in the ACC and also just the country. Now, it helps if Virginia Tech had a better team uh, than they did. When I went and saw them, uh, those were the teams with – I can't remember the guys' names, but those were the teams uh, uh, Virginia Tech was going to the tournament with and expecting to win one or two games and maybe make it to the Sweet 16. Uh uh, still coached by Buzz Williams, I believe. Uh, but, yeah, but Tech is a, such a hard place to play. It's a trap game. And, and, again, Duke won such an emotional game against Clemson with a ga- with game-winning free throws. You just don't expect them to come out two days later with all this fight and gusto, and, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, this was a game Duke ended up winning by 10. Uh, Virginia Tech did keep it relatively close in the second half, but they never tied or took a lead. I think at one point they got it down to a three-point lead, but it wasn't for long. Um, Duke was constantly every time they would get it close Duke was constantly going on runs to keep them out of it which is an awesome sign for a team by the way uh, to have the the frame of mind that hey look I, you know leads dwindled down a little bit let's get back to what we know and then once we build the lead back up then we can start taking chances again um, Duke was able to have the wherewithal to do that at Castle and and this to me is it sounds crazy but this to me is one of our more impressive performances on the year um, because again Kyle Filipowski got into foul trouble early in the game now now it wasn't actually early in the first half in this one like sometimes it usually is uh, a flip didn't play as many minutes in the second half as, as anyone would have guessed because he picked up, I think, three quick fouls in that second half. I think he had one in the first half, then picked up three. It felt like back-to-back-to-back in the second half, and he wasn't able to play for a massive part of the second half. Uh, but it still didn't ever feel like it was in danger. I know the game got close. Uh, this is one of those games that sometimes there are games where it's closer than the numbers indicate. This is a game where it doesn't feel as close as the numbers indicated. I, I felt like I was never really worried Duke was going to lose this game. Um, and part of that, again, uh, was in part to, yeah, well, it was in part to a lot of guys. Uh, but, man, even though he didn't lead, lead things on the box score I still want to give Tyrese Proctor my player of the game for this because if you watch the game uh, he's just an electric passer finished with five assists on the day only two turnovers 12 points two for three from his three-point shots and five for eight from the field uh, with all that without getting to the line, by the way. Um, but he, defensively as well, he he was locked on to Couture in the first half, who I think had four points in the first half, and he finished with 15. Uh, they were moving him around to get defended, switching to get defended by some other guys other than Proctor. Um, but Proctor, once again, as he's coming into his own offensively, uh, the defense is remaining where we can throw him on the team's best guard and trust that they're probably not going to have a good night, uh, which I'm I'm really excited to see him matched up against R.J. Davis. I'd have to go back and watch the old Carolina games. So obviously, last year, Carolina had R.J. Davis and Caleb Love, and I think Tyrese was uh, mainly uh, D'ing up Caleb Love just because of the size uh, RJ is only about 5'11". Caleb Love is six foot and some change, and Proctor's six five, so he can typically guards the bigger of the two guards. Um, but I think against Carolina, he's going to have RJ Davis all night, uh, which is going to be a big size discrepancy. I mean, five eleven to six five is a big deal <laughs> just in real life, and when you're talking about on the basketball court, uh, and with a guy that has Proctor speed. 
Uh, it, gosh, I mean, we'll see how RJ does. I'm sure RJ is a great player. Uh, I'm sure he'll be up to the challenge, but, uh, but that'll be interesting to watch because I love watching Tyrese defend guys. He, he, he so feeds off the energy of the other team's uh, best players, and, and I'm excited to see that matchup. But this was a game where I thought Tyrese was the player of the game, uh, even though he didn't win on the stat sheet. Some of the other guys who lit up the stat sheet, uh, Flip, even with the foul trouble, finished with uh, 14 points, eight rebounds, two assists, one steal, uh, three turnovers, but uh, again, a game where he's limited by foul trouble, but he still finishes with 14 and eight. Those are good numbers, but they're not Filipowski numbers. Filipowski should be a, a 20 and 10 guy every night. It feels like, and, and he is that guy when he's on the floor, uh, teams have just been able to take him off the floor too easy. Uh, another guy who uh, had an awesome game was Jeremy Roach. This was the healthiest we've seen Jeremy Roach since his injury against Georgia Tech. Uh, if you remember, he he banged up his knee, I believe, against Georgia Tech late in the game. Actually came back and played in that game, um, but then subbed out and didn't play in the next game against Pitt, game we lost. Came back to play against Louisville, uh, but was ruled out in the second half after he kind of re-aggravated it or, or wasn't quite fully healthy. Um, and has played in every game since but uh this was a, a kind of a useful th- this is what we're used to seeing from jeremy roach uh he only he finished five for 11 but actually four for five on his three pointers three point attempts i think the injury at some point is still making him think about some of his driving shots too much because if you've watched jeremy roach for for any period at duke you know how money uh, his mid-range game is and his runner game is running layups. And he missed several of those in this game that you're just not used to seeing him miss. Uh, but still, even with that, he finished with 16 points and four assists. Awesome stat line for him. Uh, only two turnovers. But, um, man, this was this was the healthiest we've seen Jeremy. This is the Jeremy of old. And I'm hoping that because we have so many days off, uh, before the Carolina game, he'll be able to get back to 100% or at least close to it uh, for the for the Carolina game. Ryan Young also had some extremely important minutes. He needed to have a good game with Flip going out, and he had maybe what I what I saw was his best game of the year. Finished with 10 points uh, only in 15 minutes, five for six on his shots. Finished with three offensive rebound, two defensive for five total, two assists, one block, no turnovers. Did foul four times, uh, but Duke. Duke foul trouble was a big deal in this game for not just Flip, but for for several guys, uh, including some of the guards. Jeremy Roach finished with three. Uh, the other guards, almost all of them, finished with two. Uh, Mitchell finished with two as well. But Ryan Young, uh, his rebounding was huge in this one. Uh, this was a game where we actually crushed Virginia Tech on the boards. Uh, they had 20 rebounds to our 38, and uh, he was a massive, massive part of that. Uh, but also uh, another big part of that was that Jared McCain was able to come away with 10 rebounds. So he almost finishes with a double-double in this game as he grabbed nine defensive boards, uh, which is just defensive boards, one offensive rebound, finishing for 10, which is just insane for a guy who's like 6'2", 6'3". I don't know how he is so good at rebounding for his size but he just I don't know if it's positioning or he has good leaping ability but he just just in the right spots to catch some of these rebounds and and I love to see it we needed a guy like that on this team where rebounding is not our physical strong suit uh, whatsoever and this again to just continue to harp
harp on how good McCain is. This is a game he wouldn't even tell you had it. I mean, he went three for 10 shooting, one for six from three, which is abysmal from him. Was perfect at the line, two for two, but uh, it finished with nine points, which it, it Reese over that. That's like a Jared McCain stat line to start the year, but these past few games he's played so much better than that. But even when he's not shooting his best, he just makes so many winning plays, man. And it's just it's awesome to have a guy like this on your team that knows you know he's confident. He's he shoots the ball with confidence no matter what his stat line is, which is exactly what you want from a three point guy. But he also knows how to do so many other things other than shoot threes Duke has had a lot of these guys come in over the past few years that have been you know quote-unquote great three-point shooters but are just such a liability everywhere else and I'm not even just talking defense you can be a great three-point shooter and still be a liability on offense if you're not moving off the ball if you're not setting screens and uh, passing well being involved with the offense it helps no one for you to just chill in the corner and not move and and Duke's had some guys uh, uh, that have done that recent years uh but McCain is exactly the kind of guard and shooter you want in college a guy who is a three-point shooter but doesn't just that's not the only part of his game he's working on you can tell he's doing so much other stuff uh he's he's able to impact the game even without making a three which he only made one in this game and it's a game Duke is able to win by 10 uh, on the road in a really really hostile very hostile environment uh, so this was a big, big win for Duke. Uh, just had trap game written all over this game, and, and and Duke was still able to come out with it. I'd be happy. If, I tweeted this out after the game. I I would have been happy with this game if this is the result at Cameron. Virginia Tech is thirteen and eight now. Uh, decent little school. A team that is talking about making a run to the NCAA tournament. I think they're going to need a lot to get there, just with the way the ACC continues to be uh, disrespected. I think by the by the committee who decides. The seating. Uh, hopefully that can change. But this is a team that, you know, they go on a little bit of a run, win some games. You could see you could see them being a 10 seed or something like that. And uh, Duke was able to comfortably kind of just keep them at arm's reach and uh, handle them throughout the duration of the game. Uh, that's that's one you're happy about at Cameron. But to have this game happen at Castle is, is just such a bigger deal considering the, the fans that they have at Virginia Tech, some great, uh, great, great, intense fans. So, yeah, those are my thoughts on the last few Duke games. Uh, we all know who's next, the North Carolina Tar Heels. That's going to be a big one. I may or may not come with you with a preview episode for that one, but we'll certainly be chatting uh, after the game. One of the most exciting games of the year. If, if Duke wins the this game against Carolina, it will put them right back into the national spotlight where they belong. Um, and Carolina will stay there too, of course. Uh, but this this win would be just huge for Duke in more than one ways. Obviously, a, a game against Carolina is always to the two games against Carolina are always you know two of your most important games in the year. Um, certainly the most important regular season games of the year. If you're talking to any Duke or Carolina fan, doesn't matter what the non-conference schedule is or perhaps even how you play in the ACC tournament, I think most Duke or Carolina fans would take a sweep over the other team and they lose in the first round of the ACC tournament. <laughs> I just feel like that. I feel like they would accept that. If you told me right now we could sweep North Carolina, but then like get upset by Clemson in the first or second round of the ACC tournament, I would take it. Give me the give me the give me the wins against uh, North Carolina, who's ranked higher, and then let us lose in the ACC tournament because we all know 
losing in the ACC tournament <laughs> means your chances of playing better in the NCAA tournament are better. It, the ACC tournament champion hasn't won a title in a in a long time, uh, so you kind of want to lose there. Give me the sweep against the Tar Heels, but uh, that is going to be uh, it for me today. Thanks so much for listening. Again, apologies for the lesser audio quality. We'll be back with the regular mics uh, here soon, but thank you guys so much for listening. As always, go Blue Devils.